and welcome to the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McClary. This episode has been recorded as part of our Future of Belfast event, delivered in partnership with Savills and Shoesmiths. Today, we're pondering whether Belfast might just be the perfect post-Covid city. If you're a Game of Thrones or Line of Duty fan, you already love the city and its surrounds. But what if you're a business looking for talent? and a business that wants to be able to offer its staff the opportunity of city living and space and countryside, a true quality of life. There's no denying that Belfast is a city with a troubled history, but it's a boomerang city, a city that rebounds and one that if you've been once, you'll definitely go back. In this special EG Property podcast, I'm talking to Gareth Howell, Divisional Director of Savills Belfast, Mark Blair, Partner at Shoesmiths, and Alistair Reid, Strategic Director of Place and Economy at Belfast City Council, about how Belfast might just be on the cusp of a very bright future. But first, a word from our partners. Belfast is a capital like no other. A city that is familiar with the challenge of change. A city that is used to turning adversity into opportunity. A city that continues to attract investors and new residents. A city to get excited about. At Shoesmiths, our lawyers act for buyers and sellers across the full spectrum of real estate assets in Belfast and understand the time, energy and resources required to make a success of real estate investment in the city. It's what we do. Get excited about the future of Belfast with Shoesmiths. Take a look around. You see an overgrown building site. We see a thriving business centre. You see a house that just won't sell. We see a home that needs an owner. When it comes to commercial and residential property, Savills see potential. We see opportunity waiting to be fulfilled. Savills, a different outlook. Welcome, Mark, Alistair and Gareth to the future of Belfast and and what a time to be talking about the future of Belfast. The the um, city just reopened. Um, uh, life is flooding flooding back, and we are what a hundred years since the the establishment of Northern Ireland. So what a what a what a time to be talking about the next hundred years, the next thousand years. We are in a a moment in history unlike any before. So I guess before we get into sort of talking about the the nitty gritty of of real estate. Let's just have a little um, little chat around what Belfast is like at, at the at the moment, and I guess your your views of of the city and and its future. And and Mark, I'm going to start with you. Yes, um, I, I went into town at the weekend had to socially distance while I could. Um, it was very very busy on the retail side of things again, absolutely crazy actually, and. Uh, the, the pubs outside were getting a similar way even yesterday when it was raining but um from my perspective what really we want to do now is start moving people into the office again it's just we need that kind of camaraderie in the office and we need to get out and about and seeing our clients again and even for the past few weeks i've seen so much more of our clients being back in the city center so i think so i think long term um you know, i think belfast has got great things happening and will and that will continue but i think in the medium term I think the office market still has a long way to go there, and I know people who are working from home and being more flexible and all the rest, but I think the office market nearly needs to make a comeback and everybody needs to be back in the city centre city working for everything to get up and running properly again. Gareth? 
Yeah, I think Mark touches on a really interesting point there. I think the workers in the city are, you know, the lifeblood. You know, they they go out, they get their coffees, they get their lunches, <laughs> and they provide that element to the economy, which is sadly missing. And obviously, um, it was great to see on Friday. Likewise, I was in town and, and saw a lot of the shoppers that were out and about. It was great to see that activity again. And it, it did give a lot of positivity that, you know, there is a there is a return and that actually, you know, the COVID pandemic and everything that's gone with it is an outside stimulus that has prevented us from doing what we want to do and engaging, if you like, normally in our, our day-to-day working practices. But actually, if the removal of that or the management of that can can be accelerated here through vaccines and, and better treatments, then, you know, the demand and the willingness is still there to get back to normal. And, and hopefully that is that is the sort of cautiously optimistic approach that I have at the moment anyway. Cautiously optimistic. I haven't heard that for a while, but I always like it. <laughs> Alistair. Look, I'm just optimistic. <laughs> let's, throw, let's throw caution to the wind. It's interesting that you, you kind of touch on history there. And I, mean, I think uh, Belfast is a city with a great history of its own. And in terms of um, the you know a city of innovation and creation, uh, the world leader in many industries from rope making to shipbuilding, linen, uh, advanced engineering. And I think, that, you know, the, the city will continue to to show that innovation through new industry, fintech, cyber security and all that will come to the fore as we kind of carry on to grow. But just, you know, and then touching on the the kind of vibrancy of the city. I, I, I think we were all we're, we're all quite high this morning, having seen how a city can switch itself back on. So Friday, uh, we we had the opening of retail, the opening of outdoor hospitality, and 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 suddenly that kind of vibrancy, humour, optimism that the city's renowned for was was back on display. So you know, I, th- I think there's there's great opportunity there. I mean, just touching on office, and we'll come on to the detail. I, I am optimistic about the future of offices and cities generally. I mean, there's a lot of talk about um, people are 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 going to stay at home, work from home, hybrid models, all the rest of it. But for centuries, people have convened to do business in cities and pandemics have come and gone in the past and world wars and all the rest of it. So I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, given time, people will again want to convene in cities. And, you know, so that great reasons to be optimistic there. I think there was there was a lot of knee-jerk reactionary thinking about working from home at the first lockdown and everyone thought it was a very you know relaxed way to do business but I think since then the rhetoric has kind of come full circle and we now understand that yeah like we're not only are we social beings but actually to be effective and fully productive you know face-to-face is so much better um, and, and the focus that an office can bring uh, whether it be through collaboration or just you know uh the lack of distractions in an office i think everybody is now seeing the benefit of it i think there was um the chat was wasn't it the lockdown one brought about what everyone thought was the death of the office lockdown three definitely revived it and everyone is now desperate to get back into the office and and see people um let's stay with let's stay with offices at the moment and that I guess what needs to what needs to be done to to make sure that corporates are still taking taking space. I know you obviously had um, PwC a big um, a big vote of confidence for the for the city recently. There are plenty of developments going on in the city. Is there a is there a new office of the future that needs to be promoted to get get people back in, or 
will we quickly go back to the to the status quo i suppose i think what we're initially feeling like we're seeing is is some uh, reticence around the the quantum of of requirements that were out there and possibly a little bit of hybrid working and a little bit of maybe flexible terms so you maybe see your standard 10-year institutionally acceptable lease emerge on the majority of space but then a little bit more flexibility on some some additional space um, we're working with uh, interesting developments at smithfield yard in belfast which is part of the northern edge of the city and the regeneration that is go going on there um, we've we've conceptually come up with a, a campus style building that we can bring businesses in as a you know maybe a an INI support based business coming out of serviced offices and then we can grow them into the largest floor plate there. So I think I think we will see some of the normality come back uh, into the office sector. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that uh, my optimism is into that medium to long term. There's still a lot of shuffling of the pack to be gone through and while big organisations do have the conversation with their staff, you know, is it are we having blended hybrid? Uh, what kind of office accommodation are we going to need? And I think that's definitely going to play out for the next six, six to 12 months. But in terms of um, Belfast itself, we had a number of large uh, speculative office developments on the go, which are pretty unusual. So I think there were three kind of 100,000 square foot plus uh, blocks being developed. Um, there were and still are a couple of major uh, private sector clients and government relocation in the market at the moment so there's still kind of life there and activity and um, it, it will it will take you know six to twelve months to kind of bite back in the other thing to look at is um the, the we reference it to i and i so invest northern ireland have as a string of investments coming into the city and they're still they're still happening. I think there was 18 companies came into the city over the last uh, uh, 12 months or so the pandemic uh, period. We, and that's, um, or they come into Northern Ireland. And that's, um, the, these have historically happened as small inv foothold investments, which have then grown. So 75% of, of investors coming from particularly the US market have taken space and then increased and increased and increased. And that's really where the growth has been. So a lot of that smaller scale stuff has still be, been going on. And that's what's led to our kind of pipeline of larger uh, foreign direct investment. Yes. Um, and one of your questions, Samantha, was, you know, does thing, do things need to change? And Alistair makes a good point. I think there's a lot of investment going into Belfast on a smaller scale, which is gradually getting larger. Which is why so many of these flexible office buildings at the minute are so busy. Like they, they seem to be popping up all the time, and they all seem to be pretty, you know, fully let. Um, longer term, it will be interesting to see what view some of these companies take on um, carbon neutral buildings. That's something I haven't seen debated too much around Belfast. Um, Shoesmiths across the UK, we see it in all our other offices as key drivers for office requirements in cities like Manchester and Birmingham, and, and of course London. And I think as some of these some of these companies grow. They're going to want to see the office buildings in Belfast have that kind of policy about them. And that's something I think developers are going to have to bear in mind for their longer term office developments in Belfast, which is something maybe they haven't done historically. I think that one of the things that we've all seen throughout um, this weird old 12 months that we've living through is uh, many trends accelerated, isn't it? Flex being one of them. And uh, you mentioned there, Mark, um, uh, ESG or sustainability and that where many of us would would have presumed I, I did that it would go down the list of um, 
must do's for for businesses um, in tough times. It's definitely moved on up. So keeping with that that theme, are there any other um, trends, industries that you've seen really come through strongly um, during the, the the pandemic? Any sort of resilient industries that that are, are powering forward and you expect to see more of in in the future? Um, without a doubt, I think Northern Ireland, as partially because of our history, we maybe have a, a resilient nature, but we have a lot of resilient businesses within Northern Ireland. And I suppose in my day-to-day role, I think specifically about the IT and tech sectors. And watching that through the pandemic, the likes of software development, cybersecurity and fintech has been really interesting because not only does that sector attract the kind of studious and effective uh, individuals who have been able to make homeworking successful for these businesses, but so much of what they do is actually conducted on a global stage. So I think they're one of our successful areas and one that we can diversify and broaden our economic base with. And I think that's right. And I think what we've been quite fortunate to see is that um, kind of pipeline of inward investors into the city alongside some of the more traditional names. So um, if you reel off a list of um, the, the kind of big companies in the fintech sector that have significant presence in the city, you've got uh, Citibank, Liberty Mutual, PwC, Deloitte, Baker McKenzie, KPMG, all kind of being of significance. And then if you move into cyber tech, you've got a lot more kind of smaller companies, so growth companies with um, a, a, a future. And all, both of these particular industries are those who have not necessarily felt the the impact of the pandemic, where they have managed to, um, whether it was office-based homeworking, we've seen how you know generally that was adapted to very quickly. So, uh, not it's not been a real impact. Advanced manufacturing continues to be of interest to us, and that kind of crosses into that whole sustainable and resilient sector, and that's one where. Uh, we, we have a growing uh, sustainable energy sector. We've got um, uh, Art, Artemis and the ferry, um, a hydrogen ferry project going on in the city at the moment. So there's some very kind of the, the, the very high tech to some of the, sta- the kind of traditional or more traditional f- fintech businesses. There's, there is a kind of base of business there which uh, will serve the city well. Yeah, I think Alistair makes a good point. I was going to mention manufacturer myself um, and also food and agri-food. I know it's maybe not Belfast city centre, but it's in the surrounding area and and a lot of the people that live in Belfast obviously work in those industries. And we've seen, we seem to see a lot more of that kind of cross-border trade going on actually since since Brexit. And those industries seem to have gone, you know, held up very well. Um, um, and of course, uh, residential is maybe not, it's not a kind of, um, trade by itself, but the residential market in Belfast and the surrounding area has just been out of control, really. I think over the last few months, it's, uh, if you talk to the real estate agents, it's the busiest they've ever had it. And, and some of that will be city centre living. There's a few PRS schemes uh, on the offing and, and places like Titanic Quarter, slightly out of the city centre, but only five minutes walk away, really. Um, but but you can live near the coast uh, in Northern Ireland very easily. There's so many bits of Belfast that are right beside it, and that seems to be where a lot of the housing market's being driven at the minute. So, um, yeah, I've been amazed for the last 12 months how resilient various industries have been. And, I, and actually, even now, you know, we're jumping around a bit. Um, when I'm talking to kind of my contacts in England, they're talking about the Northern Ireland tourist industry. 
you're talking about the Game of Thrones tours and the line of duty tours and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's going to be a big part of the Northern Ireland economy as well. And it's what gives us publicity on a UK wide basis. You you almost took the words out of my mouth for yeah. for my next question, which was going to be, you know, what what is it that is making Northern Ireland um, so so attractive and making Belfast in in particular attractive to to occupiers to you know these really intelligent businesses and um, resilient businesses as we've talked about. Gareth, um, I think without a doubt and probably the foremost thing that we can't overlook is is the quality of uh, of talented labour force that we have here. Um, you know that's that's been talked about for years and years. Um, we offer also a, a quality of life, I think, that isn't often replicated elsewhere. Um, there's an affordability to it. Um, as Mark has hinted at, there is, you know, it's a relatively compact city, so it's walkable. Um, you know, commuting times are relatively low um, and accessibility to leisure is, is, is quite easy as well. Um, and outside of that, then digital infrastructure and, and those kind of things and, and where we need to go now is, is, is into, you know, uh, sorry, a continuation because we have had them a continuation of high quality uh, office developments and premises that these buildings can actually uh, continue to occupy. I think I think that cost point is is important. You know, there, there's there's kind of three areas for me. One is the cost, so labour costs are lower than comparable U European cities, and up to thirty percent lower. Uh, operating costs can be fifty percent lower than other cities. So I think there's a, there is you know business is business. There is a real kind of opportunity to come and do business in Belfast based on these costs. As as is also just um, been said there, the, um, the 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 supply of labour. There's a, a hugely uh, kind of well educated supply of talent in the city, whether it's from uh, school leavers right through to higher education. The the two universities in the city um, very significant in terms of that uh, meeting the needs of fintech, cybersecurity, that kind of industry, and 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 then the, the last one for me is also the track record. So we've seen it happening. There are American companies, foreign direct investors coming into the city. Those that do, as I said, 75% of them reinvest again, and that in turn then, if you take all that match it with an estate, uh, a real estate uh, sector, which knows they can build, they can speculate, uh, and they can attract investment funds into pro projects, then you've got a sort of perfect recipe for success. So, you know, it's back to that optimism, a lot to be optimistic about there. Yeah, I wouldn't have much to add to that. It's just it's safe to say that um, the investors we speak to and the companies moving in, to Belfast, a lot of it is around quality of life mm. in Belfast and Northern Ireland generally. They do that does seem to be a big attraction, and that seems to be much more in people's minds now because of COVID than maybe it was previously. So, um, sorry, Gareth, go ahead. No, I was just going to add to that. I think the public sector has a real role to play. Um, you know, education is key. Um, and with the, the advent over the, the next year or two of the, the city deal, there's going to be, you know, significant investment in that. Um, if you look historically at Northern Ireland, we have tended to have a, a bit of a brain drain to universities in the UK and to, to Dublin, to Trinity. Um, we need to redress that by offering quality education here. And I think we have taken steps in that in that regard. Um, and I think actually one of the slight curious things that the pandemic has unlocked and the, the remote sort of working 
availability that has been borne out through some of the residential albeit anecdotal conversations that have happened is that actually people who have traditionally had a job in central London have actually looked to come back because they're not needed as much to be in central London so that kind of diaspora is is potentially coming back as well so there there are many many avenues to it. So we've talked a lot about the the opportunities and the reasons to be optimistic but there must also be some challenges too so what are the what are the big challenges that you think the the city faces and what what do what does re- what can real estate do to help them what does real estate need to be able to overcome those those challenges mark i'm going to start with you this time okay i'll keep i'll make one very specific point then because the other guys are, are so good at kind of what they say and i don't want to try to deal with everything one point so um <laughs> i think more interesting things to say to me but the kind of buzzword at the minute uh, we see in the uk is repurposing um, how can assets be repurposed? And there's a lot of retail investment uh, up at the minute in Northern Ireland com- is coming down the tracks. Some of it very keenly priced, some of it looks pretty good, some of it not so good. But um, I think for some of the bigger sites, certainly um, some of those sites I think would need to be repurposed. You need to you know, change some of it into residential or social housing or do the classic thing I've seen in London where you put apartments above you know, shopping centres and that kind of stuff. We haven't really got had done much of that traditionally in Northern Ireland, and I think some of this kit is going to need that happening to it. And I was involved; it's not quite the same, but it's similar with with Junction One up in Antrim, where there was a, a large amount of land, very large retail park. A lot of it's been turned into residential. It was then then half of it was turned into a kind of leisure type facility, which is making a comeback now. It's that kind of flexibility, I think, and changing of use is something we're going to have to do with some of these very large retail sites and that is a challenge i think as well because we need to get we need planning for those changes of use and that has to be done quickly and then we need the money to do it as well well i think like any kind of what you used to call post-industrial city we have a huge kind of social challenges and you know that there are areas of huge deprivation in belfast and whilst there has been a lot of growth in the past uh, really 20 years uh, really since the good friday agreement um there are not everyone in the city has benefited from that growth and that's not as i say unique to to belfast um so we have uh, issues of education whilst we can kind of uh, boast a very highly educated cohort coming out of schools. Again, not every pupil is benefiting from that, and there are huge gaps in educational attainment across the city. If you wrap all these kind of um, wicked issues that cities face, Belfast has its fair share of these, and I think that all all the whole development industry has to be uh, kind of considering how do we have that inclusive growth that uh, that we all talk about. So yes, we need growth, but that growth needs to be inclusive and everyone needs to benefit from that in some way. Now we've been working with um, the real estate industry on some of the very specifics. So you know you'll know that the public sector is more and more looking at uh, social value clauses within contracts or where you're building. Uh, we want apprenticeships for local communities. We want to use local labour clauses as far as the procurement re- uh, legislation allows us so that we, you know, if, if somebody's observing a, a, a huge building project, then they feel that they can have some participation in that, whether it's a job or and a, a classic one is the, the new university campus at the north end of the city centre. So, I mean, a huge 450,000 square foot of space in there 
um, sort of £300 million project. There's, there needs to be a lot of immediate social value in that kind of project. And the university needs to show how the communities of North Belfast, or one of the, the most uh, kind of deprived areas of the city, can benefit from having a, a brand new university campus on its doorstep. So, yeah, so it's that, it's that inclusive growth, but it can't just be a, a phrase and uh, something you write into your strategies. We need to find real ways of delivering on that. For me, I think um, in a sort of a post-Brexit environment, assuming obviously a, a sort of a, a near-term positive management of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, the Brexit issue puts Northern Ireland at a real junction politically. And I think we obviously have been in the news a lot recently, not all, not all positive, um, but I think there's a real chance for an advancement in the quality of government, which focuses on the standard of, of sorry, the strategies for improving living standards, fostering indigenous business growth, and injecting some real commerciality into the whole thing. Um, we find ourselves in a unique position where we can be EU facing for companies, but we can sit within a UK regulatory framework and that that offers us a real opportunity. But um, it is going to take a certain amount of open mindedness to to really capture that. It sounds like with with all three of the, those challenges that, um, that you've spelled out there is the, the open mindedness there and the perhaps even some collaboration is is going to be essential in overcoming them, you know, repurposing and, and changing planning um, regulations to allow for that requires some um, some open mindedness. It requires people to work together. So, you know, as um, as we've seen with some some sort of change of use uh, examples already. Not everyone does a, does a good job of it. So we need to make sure that, that we keep on top of that. Social value and inclusive growth is, um, is, is so, so important, but notoriously difficult to, to, um, to, to do. And, you know, sort of um, really making sure that our governments are top notch and, and really focused on the, on the people. We all know how much of a, ch a challenge that, that can be, but, but really great um, challenges to, to set out and uh, even even better when they're when they're overcome, of course. Um, I guess just to um, gradually uh, wind us up on 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 the conversation, because I think it could go in so many different different directions um, in terms of, I guess, the um the priorities that there are for for the city and for the and for the region and for the whole of northern ireland um going going forward uh, as well as those those challenges that we've just set out are there any um sort of must do uh priorities that are, are high up on your list that are really going to bring belfast forward even even faster than than we know it's moving now and I think for me, um, and we've kind of touched on it, it has to be the advancement of city centre living. You know, we, we are we are seeing some uh, some really exciting new office projects come out of the ground, but there will be other buildings which will need will reach the end of their economic life and will need repurposed. So there perhaps perhaps are avenues for change of use within that. But I think for me, possibly the 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 increase of pace in in residential within the city centre would be a really exciting game changing manoeuvre that would bring spend people activity and life to retail leisure and everything that goes with the city centre. One of the uh, issues that I do think needs dealt with that were slightly unique in Northern Ireland is the rates issue for for city centre slightly 
different here to to what it will be in in, in mainland UK. Um, but I think we need to show a willingness uh, between government and working with developers and investors to make sure that they come in with confidence that we can we can support them in, in building out these large schemes. I would pick up and agree with Gareth on that, uh, the need for the city centre living and to um, again return to my theme of optimism. We've seen um, in the past uh, five years something like um, four and a half thousand purpose-built and managed student accommodation units coming on stream uh, from a base of about zero. Uh, so the um, we've seen a kind of sudden increase and uh, more to come. So in short, we're going to have about 5,000 uh, students living in the city centre that didn't live there before. And if you imagine that a third of these come out of that accommodation every year, uh, you've got 1,700 young people looking for somewhere to stay. Now, obviously, some of them will go off to England or wherever. Some of them uh, may well go back to Ballymena or Portrush, but uh, many, many of them will want to stay in the city centre. So we need that offer for them. So there is a, there's almost a, a market there. Now, there are issues on price point, and but um, they, t they, they told us we couldn't do purpose-built and managed student accommodation to the scale and so that we've done it in Belfast. And then if you go back 10 years before that, they said you'll never build four-star hotels in Belfast. And 15 years before that, you'll never build uh, grade A office accommodation to the extent you have. So I think, you know, there's every, again, there's every reason to be they, they did, they did, or we did the offices, we did the hotels, we've done the purpose-built and managed student accommodation, and the the uh, residential uh, living, city centre living is is next, I think, and and there's a there's a pathway to that. It's not an idea that's falling out of the sky. There's reason to believe that it can be done. I'm not going to show any more imagination. I think they've got it dead right. That's completely correct. Um, uh, you know, touching on the rates point. Um, I think there's a bit more flexibility has creeped in during COVID. I think this rates relief still applies to April 2022. And because of that, we're seeing quite a few retailers even now looking at pop-ups and some kind of solution around city centres and the surrounding area, which is, which is good. We need more of that kind of thinking, to be honest, and more of that flexibility from government. But um, as a kind of side issue to the city centre living, I completely agree with what the other guys are saying. And I think as part of that, there is something to be done around um, public realm and connectivity between different bits of the city. In England, you know, there's a lot of this is Section 106 driven, they're called Section 76 agreements over here. We don't have, they don't really deal with social housing over here in the same way they do in England. But I've noticed in Belfast that the Section 76 agreements are becoming increasingly sophisticated and more lengthy and are dealing more with the public realm and the connectivity between different parts of the city. And I think that's a real key element going forward to all these kind of developments. So it's an interesting thing to see. And from a lawyer perspective, it suits me because it's more drafting. So I mean, in terms of delivery, as we've got the Five Cs project around the Castle Street area, which is a it's the first sort of major public rail scheme funded out of Section 76. So it's a it's definitely yeah. the direction of travel. It definitely sounds like the future of the city is about the city and about bringing life back back to it and enabling people to to live work and and play in the city center um for my final question i want to um bring you back actually it was a um a, just something that you were saying alistair um uh, based around they they said we'd never um so i wonder if um belfast has been underestimated in the past and 
Um, I guess my final question to each of you would be, why should people never make that mistake again when it comes to Belfast? As, a, as an incomer, um, you know, this, the, um, you might not have noticed that uh, <laughs> as many people tell me, you're not from here. And you had no real excuse to come here. So uh, my wife's not from here either is the conversation I have. But Belfast is the kind of place you might come to for one reason, but you come back again. So I, I came to Belfast in uh, 2014 when the Giro d'Italia was on. And I came as a, yeah. and somebody who was interested in cycling to watch a bike race and then I had it always on my list I must go back there someday and then one thing led to another and the day a recruitment consultant phoned me and said was I interested I was definitely interested because I knew of this this vibrant exciting city and what we find now in the, in the last three years I've been here if we bring investors here they always want to come back for a, if it's for a further conversation or you know and there's a deal at some point in the conversation so there's definitely something about that vibrancy and that kind of sense of place you get when you come to Belfast that hooks people in and makes them want to come back. I, I think there's a lot to be said in the in the non-economic uh, situation that, that Belfast offers um, you can be you know from the city centre you can be in countryside or or what looks like countryside within 15 20 minutes and there's a lot of appeal around that for for lifestyle and and all the advantages it offers but actually just from a pure economic returns basis you know if you look at what has happened in offices what has happened in your know, purpose-built student accommodation and what pr most likely will happen in the built to rent sector you know there are returns to be had here there are there is empirical evidence to suggest that you know there is a there's a benefit to investing in Belfast you know and I think ultimately that's what drives people. Thank you Mark. Yeah Gar's point's very good on the returns and you especially see it at the minute on residential investment among really it's I think this is the best returns in the UK at the minute. Um, for me it probably comes down to something that's a bit more emotional because I was like Alistair I lived I'm from here originally but I lived in Birmingham for a long time and then came home and I think to me it's something I said earlier it's about quality of life. I think um, I do think there's excellent quality of life in Belfast and Northern Ireland generally, and it's only going to get better. And that does really mean when people come over here to invest or to live or to work, they want to stay. And that's what we need long term. We need to have a certain amount of population and population growth around Belfast, city centre and Belfast generally to you know, to feed everything else. And I think the quality of life does does encourage people to stay. So a city where there not only delivers returns, but people return return to time and time again. And it's certainly a city that I hope we will return to in person um, very, very soon for for the next time we have a look at the, the future of Belfast and other things too. Um, but for now, thank you so much for joining us on the EG Property Podcast looking at the future of Belfast. Thank you, Gareth, Alistair and Mark. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data.